All right, guys, welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we have a virtual guest. So he's going to be, uh, I think he's over around the Chicago area. So not too far, but uh, he's going to be virtual today. And Tony's going to introduce him. This is Dennis Millen. He is a speaker, author, executive coach, leadership trainer, retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel. And for 28 years, he was an Alaska airline captain. He's had a lot of leadership training. He actually made an appearance on Good Morning America, which I used to love as a kid. I used to watch it with my mom. And uh, he's also been on a few podcasts recently. And over the years, as a fleet captain, he instructed 550 pilot pilots, 400 instructors, and uh, make that 40 instructors. 40, 40 instructors. <laughs> or did I take off a zero? <laughs> I added a zero. <laughs> That's okay. His uh, target audience is business leaders looking for new ways to increase team performance. We might need some mm. help with this guy. And uh, he's a best-selling author and an engaging speaker. Uh, if you want to learn more about him, there's beabean.net, beabean.net, um, where he has courses and speaking engagements and lots of awesome things for uh, you to reach out to him, get connected to him. This is Dennis Millen. Thanks. For you guys, you guys left off the senior hand model. <laughs> I I would actually believe it now with uh with your resume. <laughs> I think that's the longest intro that we've ever had with all these different accolades. So you've accomplished a lot, man. That's awesome. Well, I uh I I think that builds it up a, a little more than it is, but uh you know, you always you always uh uh, uh put out exactly what you've done and and sometimes it just sounds like it's exaggerated, I guess. But uh I like it. So out of all of those things, which one, which one do you think is like your favorite or the one that you're most proud of just to start us off? Oh, I think uh, being an air force pilot for 20 years was uh, one of my favorites. I, I can't tell you how exciting and boring at times it was, but how exciting it was to uh, be able to do things. I did traveling all over and going on long missions, uh, dangerous missions, uh, uh, all over the world. So yeah, I, that's one I look back with the most fondness, I think. That's awesome. Did you ever have a, uh, engine go out or a motor go out or anything crazy happen? Uh, I've had to shut down a few, uh, engines. I've never had one. Uh, you know, we always practice things, uh, in the simulator, uh, engine failures on takeoff or, uh, single engine approaches, which I get, I've gotten to do. But uh, yeah, those are uh, few and far between. Luckily, there's uh, some great maintenance people that maintain the airplanes uh, in tip-top shape. So those are few and far between anymore. That's awesome. Yeah, we actually uh, started or did the uh, like uh, discovery. Yeah, the discovery flight, and got to see all of the different uh, instruments and responsibilities of being a pilot. Uh, we were interested in it for freedom and then realized how how much responsibility there is and uh, decided that we would still continue to uh, uh, enjoy our time with the other folks and stand in the TSA lines. And uh, <laughs> we we haven't gotten to the point where we've gotten a pilot's license or anything like that because of how much responsibility and training it requires in order to be a good pilot. 
Well, uh, what kind of uh, orientation flight was it? Was it a military flight that you got to go on or? No, just a small plane. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like you've lived all over the U.S. and uh, you've experienced a rich life of adventure. How important is life experience and travel for wisdom, success, leadership? Well, I, I would have to say that uh, uh, traveling has uh, opened my eyes to to uh, see different perspectives. I think one of the uh, biggest lessons that I ever learned in my entire life was uh, I was consulting for a company and we were uh, working with Kenya Airways in Kenya. And one of the days I had to go into the uh, to the uh, training facility that it had and I decided to walk. Well, at the same time that I was walking over there, everybody was going to work. And here is this just massive group of people. I, I, there had to be five or 6,000 people walking down the street there. And I stood out because I was white. And I, I, I at the moment, uh, you know, you felt uncomfortable, but in retrospect, I looked at it and said, this must be how it feels for a lot of people when they stand out, uh, whenever, whatever, um, uh, public place that they're they're walking through, uh, you know, it, it it just was an objective lesson uh, to to be able to see from another person's uh, perspective what it feels like. Yeah, wow. I was saying it always seems like the more that you do that, the more perspective you really get. Because I've noticed that too is like uh, just traveling, meeting different people from different cultures, you hear different stories. And uh, it really helps open your eyes. And uh, in my opinion, like help you almost be more understanding, like just like you got a different perspective. Yeah. So when somebody says something, now you feel like you can relate. So it almost brings you closer to human beings too, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's funny. What popped into my mind too was uh, a time when, I'm, I'm when I have a, a, a five-day course that I was given to the uh, Philippine Airlines uh, pilots. And uh, Filipinos are unique in that eating and and food are um like like a premium or something and it like i would be in there for six hours teaching we knocked off for lunch but food appeared every every hour or two i mean they fed us all day long and it wasn't just little snacky uh uh, uh bags of chips or anything like that it was literally sandwiches or or uh, egg rolls or, you know, all this stuff. I couldn't believe how much food, and they were upset because some of the things didn't meet the, the quality that they thought that the, the company should be uh, 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 putting into the uh, classroom. So we're, we're having to work around them eating all day, it seemed like. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so when you go through hard times, either by yourself or with other individuals, it usually brings you together um you know suffering and resistance cause you to come out the other side uh with greater breakthroughs greater realizations about yourself it seems as though the military tries to manufacture resistance in the form of basic training you know they have some other things that they do especially with the seals you know hell week yeah uh do you have any mechanisms for manufacturing resistance in your trainings and how important do you think it is for people to struggle and have to go through difficult stuff. You know, uh, every time, uh, a lot of people think of um, uh, times of stress, uh, uh, of, of 
the fear of failing or actually failing at something. And what I try to do is uh, tell people that you should look at it as uh, uh, a learning experience, uh, a way of uh, a shortcut to uh, success, because uh, we're all going to fail at something sometimes. But the key is, what do you do after you've recognized the failure? That's what the Navy SEALs do. Um, they have an acronym, uh, DWI, and it doesn't stand for driving while intoxicated. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, w when in fact, what it really means is uh, deal with it. If something comes up, find the opportunity in it and uh, deal with it. As in, if, a, was a, uh, if I were a Navy SEAL, it's a, you know, oh no, I'm surrounded by the enemy and I'm running out of ammunition. Deal with it because the option is being killed or captured. Now, that's not going to happen in, in sports or uh, business, but the, the philosophy of dealing with whatever comes to it, because we're not going to stop events coming at us. There's uh, uh, things that are happening to us all the time that we have no control over. And there's going to be an outcome. What we do, uh, how we react, how we find the opportunity can alter, change, or affect that outcome. And that's what's important is to have that philosophy of deal with it, DWI, just like they say. I like it. So where did you get uh, like your mindset training? Was that from the military? And, uh, or did you like develop it like outside of it? And then walk us through like your kind of journey. Um, Cause it sounds to me like you have a, uh, you know, a way different mindset than what you probably did at your younger age. Well, yeah, and it and it started. I, you know, I'm an Air Force Academy graduate, and the Air Force provides all these leadership opportunities and leadership schools. But it continued on once you have that. I think we call it growth mindset, where uh, you're never, uh, you never stop learning. You keep uh, whatever experiences you absorb them, whatever um, uh, schools or or even having a mentor to sit down and talk to you, talk through things, give you a different perspective has been an important uh, facet to that whole thing. So I'm still learning, you know, I'm pushing 70 and I'm going to, you know, I, I want to, uh, uh, I want to uh, keep learning because it's, it's exciting to uh, learn new ways of doing things. And obviously things have changed over the last three years with the pandemic on how we have to approach things because, most of the time we're, we're meeting just like you and I are right now. And we're not, uh, uh, we haven't met each other face to face. We're not meeting face to face like we used to. So right. these interactions, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's important to learn how to interact properly or, or, or in a growth mindset way, uh, the way we're doing right now, learning from each other. Yeah. But we're not face to face. Right. Did you did you ever experience a time like when you're younger self where you felt like you were more in like a more of a victim mindset or just a, like a difference and walk us through like how you were and versus like maybe who you are now? Well, I think one of the uh, big transitions for me, and I don't know if I sent you the information or not, but uh, I was at the peak of my career with uh, Alaska Airlines. Uh, I'd been flying with them like 28 years. And uh, one day I'm up flying, thinking how cool it is that I still love my job. And the next day I'm out uh, mountain bike riding in the hills east of uh, of uh, Seattle, up in the foothills of the Cascades. 
and I have a heart attack. And I mean, talk about a career change. It's like, you're no longer going to be able to fly. It's a, kind of the same. I didn't have that feeling that an 18 year old does when they're graduating from uh, high school. What do I do now? Trade schools? Do I start working? Do I go to college? I, I didn't have that until age 56. But at age 56, I wasn't as prepared as an 18 year old to have such a big uh, career change. Um, and that was, I have to admit, it was, it was devastating to me. I, um, it took a while to uh, recover from that. I'm sitting there uh, three or four months into uh, 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 not being able to work anymore, flipping through the channels, you know, uh, now nah, I don't need Ginsu knives or Chia pet, you know, and uh, Medicare part B, I'm too young, you know, it's, it's just, just leave me alone. But I, I, uh, through, through some uh, coaxing and I have to admit some uh, counseling, I started contemplating what uh, Dennis Mellon 2.0 was going to look like. And, and, and that's the basis uh, uh, over my shoulder. You can see the, uh, the book I wrote, Takes More Than Heart. It's changing the journey's challenges into uh, opportunities. So, yeah. I love that. Um, so let's dig into that a little bit more, actually, because I'm, I'm curious. So why is it that you think that that affected you so much? Do you think that you wrapped up a part of your identity um in your job or like why do you think that that hurts so bad oh man because uh being a professional pilot was what i'd wanted to do since age 10 at, you know at 10 years old uh my dad was in the air force we're sitting at the end of a runway when this f4 phantom comes screaming by in full afterburner you know it's you could feel it in your chest you've seen the thunderbirds or the blue angels yep. and i'm pumping my fist uh, at my dad going, yeah, dad, that's what I want to do when I grow up. Of course, <laughs> my wife says I haven't reached that point yet, but that's a different story too. That's awesome. Yeah. So give us something tangible then like that you did. Obviously you said you went through counseling. Was there uh, something specific that helped you to like really decide, okay, that is not who I am. That's a part of my life that I did for a time and then really helped you to break through and like move on. Cause a lot of people get stuck there where they're like, man, I don't know what to do. Or like their like dreams just got crushed or, yeah. you know, they hurt themselves or they can't do something. And now they feel like they lost purpose. So how did yeah. you actually find that? I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up that purpose. Cause uh, that's, that's the whole thing. Even, even when you're, you're working in a company leading uh, a group of people, they you've got to give them that purpose. You got to give them that vision of, yeah, this is why we're doing it. This is why it's exciting to do it. And you have to tie it into, uh, to their own personal goals. And if you can do that, then you're starting to get that synergy that creates that elite performance. Um, I, I, I think, uh, being able to talk to, uh, my wife, uh, uh, friends, um, the counselor, uh, trying to realize that, you know, at age 56, you know, your, your life's not over. You've still got some, some, uh, uh, quite a few years that you should be, be able to make a difference. And from that point, uh, when I realized that I could still make a difference with some people, I started thinking, whoa, how, how would I do that? So, you know, I coach baseball at the local high school. I, I do these, uh, leadership training. Uh, I've written, written some books and stuff. Uh, one of them's actually been a, become a bestseller, which is, which is cool. But the, the thing of it is, is what's the next challenge? You know, 
what is getting your juices going? You know, uh, we always talk about athletes and uh, uh, motivation and, you know, bring the juice so that you, uh, you perform at your uh, level that you feel uh, at a high level. Um, I think what really helped me was being able to uh, rely on my friends, family, and, uh, and, uh, you know, some mentors and just having that mindset where, Hey, it's not over. It's not over till it's over. Right. Yogi Berra. Or no, that's not Yogi Berra. It's uh, Casey Stengel, I think. But uh, yeah, it ain't over till it's over, right? Yeah, I'm glad you said that because uh, I definitely feel like like even my dad right now, I feel like if he lost his job or something like that, I think he's around 56, he'd be like, oh man, like, you know, I'm I'm too old to start something new or I can't do this anymore. Or, My career is over, you know, it's yeah. almost time for retirement. Whereas yeah. you can look at it as an opportunity, like, okay, what do I really want to do that's going to impact? Because yeah, yeah. You, still got, you still got some life left. A lot of life. Yeah, you know, you've you've seen it where you've worked. You know, the proverbial old guy roaming the hallways, going, "Yeah, could have, would have, should have, but for my knee injury, I would have been in the NFL or uh, or uh, uh, the Super Bowl, even." Okay, well, that's great memories, but what are you going to do forward that's going to make a difference? You know. Yep. Stop staying in the past. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. What What is a leader? Uh, how do you know when you're being a leader and the best advice to people for leadership? Yeah. First, first of all, um, anytime that you have a title or anytime that you uh, have a position that doesn't make you a leader, that's, uh, assigning you, uh, you're responsible for X, Y, Z and, and are managing. Uh, and sometimes the leaders are not those in those positions. Uh, you know, you could have a small group or uh, working on a project where that single person steps up and goes, well, I know all about this. They become the de facto leader. Um, so leadership is inspiring uh, people to to reach their potential and, and to do something productive, uh, whether it's with a nonprofit uh, where you're getting as much money as you can for say St. Jude's or, or uh, United way, or you're actually doing something um, that's exciting in, in a, in a different field. Uh, you've just invented this uh, software that does this or this uh, a a application for your uh, iPhone that does that. Um, what gets your juices going and how do you inspire people to, to uh, follow you? to get to a different level of performance, you know? Otherwise, I think the best way of describing it is, um, uh, there's, a, if, if, if I can tell a quick story. Absolutely. In, his, in history, uh, back in the 1600s, uh, London, uh, England bur uh, burned down. I mean, almost a whole town burned down. And St. Paul's Cathedral was one of the, uh, things that burned down and this architect named uh, Christopher Wren was charged with uh, rebuilding it and he went out this is an actual story he went out to the work site because that's what leaders do you don't sit up in your office and make decisions you gotta you, you have to go out and sometimes get your hands dirty to see what's going on he goes up to the first worker he says what are you doing he says I'm building a wall goes up to the second guy he says uh, what are you doing he says I'm collecting a paycheck to feed my family he goes up to the third guy and the third guy drops everything, smile on his face, comes over and says, I'm building a cathedral 
that's going to house 800 parishioners on Sunday and uh, homeless people during the week. That's what I'm doing. Now, who do you want working for you? How do you inspire somebody to be the cathedral builder in your in your uh, company or on your team? Mm. You know, it's yep. crazy. I think uh, Dakota and I went to a seminar not too long ago in Saint, and we ended up stopping in Saint Paul, Minnesota, and uh, they had a cathedral there that was modeled after one in Italy, and. Yeah. It, wonder if we have seen something very similar because it was amazing and beautiful yeah uh, the structure that they built was so awesome yeah i want to go back into uh so how do you know if you're being a good leader like how would you know that um well obviously uh, uh a lot of people say it's results oriented you know we got xyz results um how do you know well, it's it's more of how the culture feels when when somebody walks in. Like if if we had uh, if we were working together, and Dakota was the leader, when somebody else comes in, they go, they're going to notice the atmosphere. They're going to notice that everybody is oriented towards um, a particular vision or a particular goal. Mm. Uh, we're going to build. We're going to build a cathedral. We're going to build this uh, uh, spacecraft. We're going to build this airplane. Uh, and everybody's excited about their own portion. And that leader that inspires that becomes the uh, servant leader. And the concept of sort of servant leadership is not, it's uh, antithetical to, um, you know, uh, Dennis, you do this. Uh, Tony, you do that. Uh, what it's it's more of um dennis tony what do you guys need to be successful in what you're doing right now what resources can i get to you i don't know everything that you know but uh i'm relying on you to be um uh the expert or to put out a fine product or to put out a quality uh what whatever it is that you're making I'm relying on you. What do you need to be successful on your portion? Mm. And that's that's when you see everybody looking at Dakota. Wow, what a leader is he is here. He's really got us inspired. I I get to go to work tomorrow instead of I have to go to work. You know. Yep. I yeah. Love that. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually had uh, another guy ask me um, the other day, and he's like, you know, just like you talked about. Actually, I don't have the role or a leadership role how do I present myself as a leader whenever I'm not a manager, I'm not necessarily there. And he's like, you know, what did you do? And my background was in sales. I was in car sales. So um, I was the car salesman. I wasn't a manager. I wasn't, you know, the CFO, anything like that. He's like, how, what did you do to make yourself a leader? And I like what you said there, um, inspiring people. Like that's, that's all I did is I made sure that I was there. I was on time. I was the last one to leave. I made sure that I was doing things ethically. I made sure that I was doing the right things mm -hmm. and making sure that I was like one of the best people there and I was focused on work. So I mm -hmm. tried to be an example. And so to me, I was being a leader, not only of myself, but showing an example of what it's supposed to be. So I'd still, even though I wasn't in a leadership role, I would still consider myself a leader, which helped me to step into, you know, something different. I wasn't necessarily leading people, but I was still trying to be an example, which is like, mm -hmm part of it so that's that's great stuff you know it, it's like uh set the expectations of what 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 you want everybody to do or what you're gonna do and then over deliver 
Yeah. It's interesting though, because just like you talked about, like I can tell that you're a great leader because like you know exactly what it's going to take to do it. And I didn't know because, you know, I only had to focus on myself and be an example before, but obviously whenever you're running a business that completely changes because now it's not about what I'm doing, what I produce. It's not about being an example. It is about being an example, but also it's about supporting them and finding out how can I help you? And that was always hard for me because whenever I see people struggling, I'm like, oh, I'll just take it off your plate. I'll do it. And that's yeah. not really a good leader either. No, you, there's another side to that. Instead of uh, uh, a lot of people look at what we've been talking about as, as kind of uh, namby-pamby uh, a little bit because we're we're catering to the – you also have the other side where you have to hold them accountable. Mm. You know, um, you said that you were going to have this by such and such a time and you don't have it. Um, what, what, you know, why, or, or what is it that I can need to provide you so that you can start meeting this, this standard or this, uh, uh, deadline, you know, um, more, more often than not, it comes, it's the uh, leader's responsibility that you haven't provided the right directions or the resources or support, you know, um, that's the very essence of being a servant leader. But the the counterbalance to that is um, is is uh, holding them accountable for what needs to be done. Yeah, I love that. Let's go into that a little bit more. How do you how do you balance yeah. that? Like, I'm here to inspire you, but I'm also not going to let you just slack off or anything and like hold you accountable. How do you balance that? And when do you know, hey, I'm going to hold you really accountable to this? Or how do you get people to buy into that? Yeah, it starts in the very development of how you start out as a leader. And the first first step is communicating you know communicating to make the connection with whoever you're, you're talking to um too many times leaders just spout out stuff like i'm the expert on everything well if you're the expert on everything then you're gonna get no input from anybody and it's gonna cause delays um because everybody's gonna be waiting for directions from you yeah. and if you and so communicating and being transparent but then you have to get uh, as you develop that, you start getting a commitment from the uh, our, our connection from the people, and then you get the commitment. And then the 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 most important part is is uh, showing that you care. You know, I I was in a, a company the other day. I thought was really interesting. They had this whiteboard up where they put their meeting schedules and and things that are due or what whatever to inform people. But all along the edge were all these. Um, uh, sticky notes. And I went up and looked to them, look, look at them. And basically there were little things like, uh, uh, Dakota, thanks. Thanks for bringing that coffee to me. That was really helpful. Or, or, uh, uh, Tony, thanks for bringing those copies off the copy machine. So I didn't have to go down there. Just being grateful with each other about the little things that you just think about, Hey, I got my name up here, uh, with somebody thanking me for something. And uh, now I've now I feel obligated to uh, do something that they'll be grateful for, you know. Um, it, that's the whole essence of being uh, a good team member, yeah. you know. Is is uh, and leaders to establish that have to do what what, what we call the the four C's: communicate, make the connection, get the commitment, and then show that you care, because mm. that's what that's what the that's what the uh, uh, team members want, what the company members, employees want. Yeah, 
uh, something that we got from neurolinguistic programming training. We went out to Phoenix and <clears throat> took NLP. And one of the things that they suggest is the only reason why you're not able to get someone to move forward with a purchase is a lack of rapport. And it sounds like that's that sort of summarizes mm -hmm. what you're saying is like, hey, you have to communicate, you have to care, you have to connect with people. And so in order to really truly build rapport, it's like if you're in a leadership role, rapport is one of the most important things in order to get people to buy into your vision. Yeah. And I, I alluded to it uh, earlier, you know, you, you've seen where a, a workplace where uh, the leader stays in his office or her office and looks at reports and then fires out orders or fires out uh, guidance or whatever. But the best leaders are the ones that not only can do that, but they get out and meet with as many people as possible. You know, they say the span of control for optimum span of control is no more than seven people under you. Mm. But once you start getting in a leadership position where you have a layer between you and the employees or several layers, you're not going to be able to see those guys one-on-one, -on -one. but uh, 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 regularly, but you can get out on the shop floor or out on the uh, out in the company in the cubicle farm, whatever you want to call it, and sit down and go, hey, what's your biggest? What's the biggest worry right now? What's what's the biggest problem facing? What resources you may? What's going smooth? You know, um, the uh, uh, Japanese have a term, or actually, I guess it's a Toyota term. Mm -hmm. It's it's a jumbo walk. Get out on the shop floor and see what's happening. Mm. You know, keep in touch with people. Yeah, I love it. I, well, I was actually at a uh, leadership seminar um, one time, and it's funny because it, uh, I experienced something very similar to what you're talking about. And it wasn't from one of the instructors. It wasn't from, you know, somebody who was supposed to be teaching the class. It was actually just from another guy that mm -hmm. was in the class with me. And he did exactly what you're talking about. Because again, my view of leadership was, I'm going to be the example. I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to inspire other people because I'm just going to work hard. I don't need to support them. They they have to have their own, you know. Yeah, um, they're capable. Yeah, like they can do it. So I didn't even worry about it. But we're up. We're working. Like we just worked like 18 hours in a day. It was like 4, 3, 30, 3 o'clock in the morning. We're still out there working, doing physical mm -hmm. labor. And the guy comes up to me. Instead of like, Hey man, you need a break or anything like that? He's like, Hey, can I go get you some coffee? Yeah. And uh, to me, he was like, it wasn't the way that I viewed it was if I asked that I'm saying, Oh, I want to get out of work. And like, they're going to see me as lazy. And I'm more worried mm -hmm. about what their view of me is instead yeah. of worrying about what does that person need right now? Yeah. Um, and so that just really taught me a lot about leadership. And I think you just uh, defined it in a really great way, but that was just a story that I remember that helped me to like change the uh, leadership style altogether. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, I I do the um, positive leadership training for teams and companies, and I'm constantly amazed at what I learned from it because uh, I'm more, you, you can look at it as I'm the instructor, but I look at it as more as a facilitator because the genius is in the room. You guys have experiences that I've never experienced. Leadership is constantly changing. You guys have done things that I wouldn't even uh, have never even dreamed of or or face problems that I've never faced and how you uh, approach them. Now I can talk about, you know, a process for how to solve this problem or how to get this uh, uh, team project together. 
But the real genius is in you guys with the experiences that you have. And when we get into this uh, uh, training, a lot of times the discussions bring out uh, things I've never thought of. And sometimes the discussions go a little bit longer than need to be. So I have to cut out something somewhere else, but, but uh, cause you're under a time, like, you know, you should respect everybody's time, but it's incredible what the, what the, uh, what the audiences bring. Yeah. And, and being able to exchange that in a form where everybody's open to talking like that, because you would, you know, you, you'd be reluctant to talk about a mistake that you made uh, with your group or with your bosses or, 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 or whatever, you know, you'd, you'd be reluctant to bring that up, Sure. but you can do as a leader, you can create that atmosphere where people are not reluctant to bring things up as long as they're not doing any of the, the, the big, you know, they're not lying, cheating or stealing uh, uh, by allowing them to make mistakes and learn without you know, uh, fear of shame or retribution, uh, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to make them uh, better team members, better employees. Yeah. Uh, you know, better people. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to challenge you for a second. I have an objection from like a, you know, a possible somebody that wants to buy into your coaching and whatnot, but they start thinking about it and they're like, you know, Dennis, you're an old guy. You know, maybe some of the stuff that you teach is kind of old school. <laughs> you know, uh, are you are you looking at the gray hair and the follically challenged uh, person on the other side of the <laughs> <laughs> What would you say to somebody who's, who said that? Well, maybe you're right. But the fact of the matter is, is I'm open to a discussion where I'm going to like, like I say, the genius is in the room when I get in there. And what I'm going to bring is ex- years of experience. And uh, hopefully I'm going to give you some nuggets, some shortcuts where you don't have to uh, go to the University of Hard Knocks or Life Happens University like I did for a lot of my uh, mistakes. But, uh, you know, it's 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 their opinion. And I'm going to bring I'm going to bring the juice, man. You know, if I, if, if, if uh, uh, I'm going to pour out whatever I can to help you. And uh, if you think that's coming from a, uh, uh, an old guy that's follically challenged, well, okay. <laughs> I might not be able to teach you anything then, you know, but come in there with an open mind and I'm going to give you what I can. And we're going to discuss um, with, uh, with the rest of the geniuses in the room uh, ways of handling some of the things that you're facing. Yeah. Is there, that answer okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, I think it's always interesting. I was actually talking to my friends last night about it. It's whenever you criticize somebody, it almost tells you more about yourself too. So if you're like, oh man, this guy's uh, too old. So yeah. now I feel like I can't listen to him because you know, like his ideas are old school or anything like that. They'll use the same excuse for a 25 year old. Oh, that person's young. They don't have any life experience. Just wait till they experience life. That's when they're going to really figure it out. So it's like, okay, like you have to find the perfect person, the perfect gender, the perfect race, the perfect type before I'm willing to learn. Like before you're willing to receive information, you got to receive it in that way. That tells a lot more about you than it does the other person. You know, I was just on, I was just on a, 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 
a uh, radio show the other day, and the topic of discussion was multi-generational teams and the difference between them. And you bring up a great point, uh, Tony. How how do I how can I relate to uh, um, a Gen Z person that you know everything is right here and I've got it in my phone and you know and, and I've run into this. Uh, uh, I've been coaching baseball at the local high school uh, for about ten years, and I've had to learn how to communicate with those guys. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm not an expert, but I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm a TikTok guy. You know, I, I uh, uh, get on Facebook and uh, try and get, you know, Snapchats and stuff like that. Um, the key is finding the way to communicate with them, to connect with them. And we've, uh, you know, I, I said that earlier, that's the key is the communication and the connection. That's when that commitment will develop out of it. And if it's if it's a a, a twenty year old or um, a seventy eight seventy nine year old, you know you, you've got to make the connection and you got to blend that team. And uh, that's 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 what's exciting about being a leader is blending that team into doing something that they didn't think was possible. How how do you get that elite performance out of them? Love it. So you're a uh, a coach for baseball, and then do you also coach as businesses? It sounds like. Yeah. 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 Talk talk about the similarities, because I've noticed a lot of similarities between like athletes and business people. Can you talk to us about the similarities and like, do you train on mindset, whatever you're talking about, the baseball? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm, I don't know if you know, uh, Brian Kane, but, uh, I'm a certified mental performance, uh, master supposedly (laughs) where I, uh, uh, go with the athletes and teach them how to, uh, how to handle, uh, situations, how to approach the game, because baseball is absolutely brutal. I mean, you are going to fail. There's no doubt about it. you are going to fail. How you deal with that and move on is the key to whether you're going to be a good ball player or a bad ball player. Think about it. If I, if I bat 300, that's 70% of the time yeah. uh, that I'm failing. But if I bat 300 for an entire career, I'm in the hall of fame, man, you know? So the similarities between it, look at the terms that we use that are similar uh, in business to baseball. Um, uh, Yeah, you know, you knock that one out of the park. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, uh, three strikes, you're out. You know, all all these things that we, the commonality is just incredible. Uh, We we talk about uh, in sports, body language, your focus, and your Mm self-talk. You go back, go go look into business. Find me a business leader that isn't cognizant of his body language or her body language, their focus, or or their self-talk, especially. Yeah. Nobody knows what your self-talk is unless you tell. And sitting down with a baseball player or sitting down with a, a business person, and talking about how do you talk to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you talk to yourself when you make a mistake? How do you talk to yourself when you do something good? And you'd be surprised how many people do good things and don't. Uh, they only focus on what they've screwed up. Yep. Because that's how we've been taught since we we're since we we're kids. It's kind of uh, ingrained in us. Yeah. How it's do you an embarrassment to fail? You know. Yeah. How do you break out of that? What do you do tactfully to uh, to help them to change that? You know, like let's say you keep striking out. You're like, dang, like. How do you help realize like, man, I, that is actually not a bad thing and reframe it. Like, what do you say? 
Well, now it's going to depend on on how you've been doing and what your attitude uh, uh, otherwise is. You know, uh, there are there are players that feel like they're entitled to play in every game. Um, there are parents that feel like their kids should be. You know, parents are notorious. We want you to play the best eight players in our son. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean seriously, I, but. But the, the 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 way to one is I, I've got to develop a connection with each one of them mm -hmm. and I've got to do it on an individual basis. So it's not embarrassing in front. I, like I would never talk about what Tony's doing or what Dakota's doing in front of people. We would do this one on one away from him. And you do the same thing in um, in um, business. Look, we, we call it coaching. That's what I, uh, one of the things I do is executive coaching, uh, teaching them how to be good leaders, how to keep their employees engaged. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's similarities there, yeah. I was going to say, if you want to experience some of the, the worst parents, definitely baseball parents have got to be toward the top of the list as far as criticism. and. <laughs> well, yeah, but think about it. Uh, everything in baseball is, is uh, you know, a play lasts maybe seven, eight seconds, you know, um, you, you, there's a, there's an up and down cycle. Okay. Uh, the pitcher's on the mound. Okay. He's getting the signal, you know, uh, and it takes a while for, for the, for this, the play to develop. So there's more time to think in between each pitch. So yeah, yeah, it, it can be that way, but you know, we equal to that is, uh, uh, you know, soccer mom and dads or, or, you know, uh, lacrosse parents and things like that so I, I don't think it's isolated to or, or uh, to just baseball <laughs> have you ever had to uh to play the role you know the the psychological role sometimes I don't know if you I don't even know if you're capable of getting hot-headed you seem so cool calm and cool have you uh been able to uh for your team have you ever put on a show or when you mean, out? have I ever gone over and kicked dirt on the umpire's uh, feet or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah um you ever thrown yeah i have gotten excited sometimes i i uh um it, and most of the time it uh deals with something that just seems completely unfair now i've never been kicked out of a game don't get me wrong but uh have have i uh dropped some uh four-letter words uh, we'll keep that a secret yeah <laughs> but very uh very rarely a lot most of the time if i have a problem I go up to the umpire and we turn away from the crowd and we're, we're, we're talking in this tone right here. I said, that, that, that was, that was not the right call on that, you know? And for the most part, um, umpires get it right. You know, we can, we can, uh, we can argue balls and strikes, but it's, it's not going to change what, what the call was just there. You know, it's not going to be, Dennis, you just called a strike on that. That was a ball. You're right. I'm going to change that to a ball. That doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, give us some insight into your life. What are the quality of your relationships? You know, like the, your immediate relationships. What are what are those relationships like? Well, um, I'm I'm very close to my to my wife. We've been uh, we've been married. Uh, we're going to be uh, starting 40th year here pretty soon. So. Wow. Um, she's my uh she's my confidant we we talk about everything and and she holds me accountable i mean she's the one that still thinks i'm the uh 17 year old trapped in this 
69 year old body so but uh you know friend, friends friends that you can pick up the phone and and you feel like you you almost pick up the the conversation right where you left off and they say that you're the uh the combination of the five people you hang around the most outside of your family and if you think about the people you hand uh, i i try to uh uh try to hang around people that have are smarter have more abilities. Um, and unfortunately that doesn't eliminate any of the 7 billion people in the world, but I, I try to hang around quality people, you know? Uh, what is your, why, why do you do what you're doing now? You know, that, that's, that's really a good question too, because, um, uh, the, the, the basic answer I come up with, I want to make a difference with whoever I'm in contact with. And I uh, I try and take that philosophy even into little things like being in a restaurant when the waitress comes up, they always give you their name. How many times do you remember that name? And a lot of times I, I, uh, I'll i say something like, uh, uh, well, you only brought uh, two glasses here to the table. And they go, well, there's only two of you. I said, you're not gonna help us drink this bottle of wine? Uh -huh. <laughs> But what it does is it reaches out and it connects with them. Mm. And for sure, I'm going to get good service for the rest of the time there. Not be, that I'm trying to just get good service. It's not, a, I'm not sucking up to the waiter or waitress. But the fact of the matter is, is if you um, show gratitude, show you care with somebody, they're going to feel obligated to, do, to, to be the same way back. Right. You said it earlier, Tony, you like to set the example as your leader. Well, you know, have, has there ever been a time where you didn't set a good example and somebody called you on it and you were embarrassed? Now, a lot of leaders would just so, well, I'm the leader. I don't get embarrassed. I, you know, uh, that that's kind of an old style of thinking, but they need to have that, that um, connection with the, with, with their, with their team. I don't know if I actually answered that question or not. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you there's, a, there's a lot of bovine scatology coming in here somewhere, right? <laughs> what would you say is your biggest struggle right now? Uh, I get reminders every once in a while that uh, the old ticker's not uh, not the same. You know, I I I, uh, I don't do I don't do any jogging, but I go out uh, walking and things like that. And I think it's probably uh, maintaining not so much my health itself, but my mental attitude, because it, it's constantly in the back of my head that, uh, you know, you're lucky to be here. Yeah. And it could happen again anytime. So live, live the moment. Yeah. What is your favorite, best, or most interesting failure? <laughs> uh, You know, it goes back to my Air Force days. And uh, I I was, uh, I wouldn't call myself arrogant, but I was uh, probably an overconfident pilot for a while. And uh, I started, I don't want to get into a long story. Let me see if I can shorten this out a little bit. As a, um, uh, I changed airplanes into a brand new airplane and they didn't bring me in as an aircraft commander, a captain, 
in the plane. And that, that uh, and I felt like the ones that they did bring in, I was equal to or better than. So on my uh, co-pilot check, we did air refuelings and you get one airplane coming up behind it. And in practice, um, you need to know what the limits are for that, the boom that hangs down. Well, as a co-pilot, I, I did the limits, which is an instructor maneuver. So, you know, I did it well and I impressed everybody and I became an aircraft commander. And then when I uh, took my uh, instructor test, I'm up there and I go, I got this. I, in fact, they, they said, uh, hey, do you want to take your check ride at night? I said, yeah, I can do that. Well, I ended up failing the check ride. And uh, that was a big eye opener. I said, no matter how good you think you are, you're not that good, you know? And I started to pass that on to, to uh, when I became a experienced instructor, I was able to pass that on to a lot of the other students that I dealt with or the other pilots. But uh, yeah, you, you, uh, you, you can't, uh, you can't be writing checks you can't cash, you know? Is there a, is there a book out there that you would recommend everybody read? Like one that you've gifted to people or one that you would say, Hey, for personal development and growth, like this is a book that you should definitely uh, consider. Well, I, you know, I, I, my, my two books that are out, uh, one of them's a bestseller. There's uh, uh, voices of truth uh, out there, but um, I think, Again, this doesn't, I, not to be arrogant, but the, the book that's in the background that uh, takes more than heart, anybody that's uh, suffered uh, a, a health problem, um, a, a significant failure, a business failure, I think they will get a lot out of what I tried to promote out of that. That was a really hard book for me to write because it was so personal, but I've tried to make it um, come across as um, uh here, here's a here's how you can recover. It's never over. Find the opportunity out of that. Now, with that aside, I think the 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 one of the best books uh, to and it's very simple read is uh, is uh, uh, the Energy Bus, John Gordon's Energy Bus, and it's it, it deals with how to stay uh, keep yourself energized and your team energized. Love it. Uh, usually this final question, I'm, I uh, didn't find out how old you were. How old are you, Dennis? <laughs> well, I'm going to be in about two weeks. I'm going to be 70. Well, we try to assume that people are going to live until 100. Okay. So you have 30 years left and then you're on your deathbed. Now you have a final message to the world. It's your legacy. It's your purpose. It's It could be a paragraph, a mantra, a sentence, a billboard in Times Square, uh, it's how people are going to remember you. What is a, a meaningful message, your final message to the world that you think people need to hear? Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't thought about that one. Somebody's always asking questions. I, I think it would be, uh, uh, be kind, but go get it. Mm. You know, something uh, simple uh, to help you connect with people, but at the same time, go get it. Don't sit, don't sit back. Yeah, it's there's there's too many too much fun to be had. You know, too much, too many, uh, too many uh, challenges that 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 you can, uh, you know, enjoy the process because uh, being successful is it's not a journey. I mean, it's not a, a destination; it's a journey. 
you know, you don't get to success and go, oh, I'm finally successful. I mean, perfect example. Look at S Steven Spielberg. He's still putting out great movies, you know? Mm -hmm. Why? He doesn't need the money, <laughs> you know? It's because he enjoys putting those things together. Yeah. Uh, he enjoys taking that challenge and and uh, turning it into an opportunity. Should he make money off it? Hey, he, he's probably going to say, yeah, absolutely. But look at what I'm doing. I'm making a difference. Yeah, that should be on a T-shirt. Be kind, go get it. <laughs> I love it. How can our listeners get a hold of you, Dennis? Well, uh, my my website uh, is uh, www.beabean.net. Now, I probably take some explanation here. I think of business as a as this roiling boiling pot of water, and there's that's the competition, the the volatility, the uncertainty. There's nothing we can do about that, but we can enter that as a coffee bean and start influencing the water, start changing it. And we can start get changing other people into coffee beans. And ultimately, as a leader, you're a coffee bean and you're trying to make that water into gourmet coffee. So that's where beabean.net comes from. And there's uh, there's a bunch of uh, uh links to uh courses uh to um uh training sessions that i can do uh i tailor them specifically for what the person needs i you know i have an entire curriculum but i don't think anybody is going to be interested in going one through ten if if uh if we can sit down and figure out what problems do you need to ad address we'll tailor it to exactly what you need so yeah so be a bean.net thank you so much for coming on dennis uh do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with our viewers no i uh i, I the only thing i want to say is thanks for the opportunity you guys uh asked some questions that i hadn't thought about before and uh i hope i i hope i made a contribution to your uh to your uh listeners oh yeah absolutely you definitely delivered a lot of value yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate you.